Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the J3U Podcast. I'm your host, John Jewett. With me is co-host Luke Miller. And today, we're talking the holding phase, maintaining mm. I know it doesn't sound sexy. Please hang in. It's much better. Uh, we could call it gain-taining, cementing the gains, however, whatever you want to make it like sound sexier, right? What's the click? What's the clickbait title we can get to get make them listen to this podcast? Oh. But no, um, today, like there should be some phases between when you're pushing up off season, contest prep, fat loss phases, mini cut phases. There has to be some transition points in there between each phase and there's a rationale to doing so and, and why they they should be happening and i will say too like if you're not planning these to happen sometimes they'll just happen and it's not by your choice and so that's what we're going to dive in to really discuss today of why these should be in place how to implement them and what are the variables around them that we would be manipulating during this phase yeah so i think the the first one is kind of like diving into where the purpose of this phase could could kind of hold credence and a lot of times we can often discuss this from the context of like off season in the contest prep um, or even in the confines of off season to a mini cut and the first purpose that like comes to my head is going to be a, a rinsing of fatigue a management of health metrics and variables and making sure that we're getting those back in check so once we start to kind of go down that thought process and that logic, a lot of times we're seeing this phase be pulled down in PEDs or probably around baseline uh, PED metrics, making sure that we're managing some of the health metrics that we can. Oftentimes we'll see the weight kind of just drop off from the disclusion of PEDs, right? Because we have less influence on RAAS and we'll kind of see that water shift just kind of drop some weight like to give an example, like I'm kind of in this phase-ish right now, like in, in my off-season between pushes. And like I dropped from 253 at the peak to like holding 245 right now. About this, about a seven or eight pound drop, um, which is fairly common. And I think that this is kind of the start point of where a lot of these phases kind of start. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's you have to look at, you know, what really brings your off-season to an end when you actually need to make a transition. So yeah, like for Luke, we, you had your own scenario there, but you know, for a lot of people, when you're pushing body weight up uh, in an off season, gears progressing, foods progressing, trainings progressing out of all those three, there's going to be some type of stop point that's going to occur um, with, with food. It could be appetite tanks, no more hunger signaling. You feel like you're force feeding food down um, regarding training. There's just this, constant accumulation of training fatigue that will occur connected tissue wise so you could have niggles and things that are just cropping up that just have to be addressed longer term with PED usage um, that progression in place we as the more advanced you get you're going to get to levels that are unsustainable and you won't be able to stay at this gear level why, why do you guys have to you have to back down your cycle at some point right um, and this is usually health marker derangement to some extent whether it's you know blood glucose is getting elevated, blood pressure is getting elevated, some type of lipid disarrangement that's occurring, 
Um, and so those are some aspects. Then there's also a body fat is just at a point that is no longer pushing up. And it's not that, you know, that I, I do believe that there is a level of like insulin sensitivity that you should maintain to stay really optimal. And for a lot, a lot of reasons for training performance. And I think partitioning makes a difference, but at some point, um, you're going to have a further partition to body fat gain once body fat gets higher and you mm -hmm. got to diet back down for a show too. So that's something to keep in mind, at least for us in, in the, the bodybuilding physique world is that when you're, you know, 20% body fat and you need to get down to 3%, this might be a 30 week prep and that's just not ideal. So it's needing to bring that body fat back down. So these are kind of like a few variables that might end the push phase and, why would you go, what would you do to restore these levels? And a lot of times it's going into what we're calling this, this holding phase, um, which uh, potentially it could help with even some people say solidifying Games, the tissue yeah. that you made. I, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you, see, you hear people talk about cementing the gains. Uh, yeah. Does have any I think, credence to this or? I think the cementing part is the training performance in my opinion. I think if we, hit a certain level within training performance that needs to be able to be maintained throughout or even slightly progressed throughout this holding phase. Um, I think commonly you'll see a slight reduction in food heading into this phase, in my opinion, just out of the thought process of PDs coming down and wanting to improve a lot of these metrics. Um, and, and just as a thought point too here, like if body fat creeping up is one of the reasons that we're seeing this phase ending, we're commonly often seeing like more issues managing estradiol, rising estradiol, causing more issues managing blood pressure. And so now it's like you just tip this big fucking domino that's causing all these effects to kind of downstream happen. That's making troubles for us. So within this holding phase, we need to be able to fix that. And for a lot of people, a slight reduction in weight and a slight reduction in body fat is going to be needed. So we will see that food pull down a bit. But when we talk about maintaining what we gain the deficit that you create shouldn't be like the deficit you're wanting to do when you do a contest prep, right? It should be just enough to kind of bring them down a couple pounds, in my opinion. And then the maintenance phase is more about maintaining training performance and seeing that continue to progress and, and what that may look like. And I guess the question oftentimes I get is like, should training change here from a volume perspective because of the lower recovery capacity? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, within that, so that initial transition, you know, with it, you still are training, like for a lot of us, how we do it, it's kind of auto, it's always auto regulated. Yeah. Just the main framework of our training is still the same, you know, keeping a quality of set of, of high, high effort close at or near a failure point and same movement patterns that we would be selecting. Those still all make sense for, or for that intention of training. But really the main things here is just uh, volume manipulations. So this might be, it's like, if you do notice like, hey, you're, since you are bringing down PEDs, you, you'd be re maybe adding in a rest day or just bringing down total training volume in a session. Maybe you've been running some type of specialization block, like really slamming like back three days a week or something. So maybe you're gonna move to more like a moderate slip that's just split that's just across evenly for, multiple body parts. Usually this is also when I would move someone from um, just doing like, if they had any type of rest pause or, or drop sets, just moving in just to like straight sets to help 
manage some fatigue. Um, But really across everything, like load rep progressions, how how we implement, that's all the same. Yep. What's your opinion on the maintenance phases then? Like a mate, as far as like uh, the uh, cementing part. Oh, the cementing part. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it's like, is there a delayed? Well, I guess that's the, that's the point of the question, right? Is, is there delayed growth that happens? And yeah. um, I mean, maybe you would recall better than me. I was just talking about this earlier. I did another podcast earlier. I trying to remember the study. It was uh, the blood flow restriction study where they're like, uh, like untrained individuals. They like fucking killed them on BFR for like two weeks. Then yeah. two weeks after they actually saw muscle size increase, but they actually like decreased, I think, tissue growth during um like show like atrophy but swelling um then like swelling dissipated and they actually were able to to recover and add some tissue do you recall that study i don't not not the author making it up no i'm not (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but but basically it's like not untrained subjects it's not very applicable so yeah um, but then there is like some of the research from like cody han uh yeah looking at the process of hypertrophy that there's like this sarcoplasmic growth that happens. And then it, from there it's, you know, tissue accrual. So there's increase in, in ribosome, ribosomes and all the substrates needed to then lay down tissue. So it's kind of like this process that happens. So if you you're coming off a block that was accumulating a lot of fatigue, could there be some extra growth that happens in those weeks following? Hard to say. I, I think, I don't think we have enough to really say that there is. Yeah, I think, I think anecdotally, anecdotally, what you'll see is just like, if we keep the focus around training performance, we'll see whatever it is that you, did you maintain or, or created during that push up will be maintained. Right. And another thing too, maybe the thought process of not diving into a large deficit straight out the gate. Right. Because this is where we're going to start getting into duration, right. Is where what is the time scale look like when we get into this phase of like then going into a deficit where we'll actually see that adaptation start to occur at a rate that we want to run a prep or we want to run a mini cut or that kind of a thing. I think that's a lot of where the value is. Um, and so like from a training perspective, I would lean towards what you said, like extra rest day, slight lower in volume, slight reduction in nutrition because the PDs are coming out, but not a large one. So very small percentage. Yeah, like because you could someone's in been in a surplus, even slashing 500 calories out could still bring them. They might still be in a slight surplus, if not maintenance. But yeah. the, the load on the system is a lot different for bringing down blood glucose, improving health markers, and how much insulin that that person would be putting out. Um, yes, yeah, as, as far as like delayed growth, I I don't quite buy into it. Um, or, or there's in the other argument of like a settling point that you should be, you know, holding this body weight for a period of time. And you might be moving the dial of like what that settling point is for, mm-hmm. for body fat or, or even tissue. I mean, anecdotally, it, it seems like guys that have been larger for a long period of time, that tissue does seem to stick longer than yeah. down tissue. And that could be a number of variables, right? It could have been, how was that added on that muscle? You know, was it just all gear for someone young and inexperienced or has this been through just all, all training? And now you have the ability to like, once gears lowered, you're, you're much better equipped to maintain it. 
uh, mm-hmm. because your focus is on all the right variables and not just had been masked with with gear usage. So yes. I don't know it's kind of convoluted within that, but I mean, big picture, uh, nail your variables and uh, you won't have to worry about how your tissue was, if it's going to fall off or not. Um, but I think to your point, Luke, that what further justifies a holding phase is whether this maintenance phase or um, uh, the, the tissue cementing is a thing or not. I guess the argument is like, well, why, why not just jump into a fat loss phase straight from there? And that's when I think you see a lot of the, the problems would arise because, you know, both the push and a fat loss phase generate a high amount of training fatigue, right? So coming from a push phase, you have training volume high, but moving to a fat loss phase, you still need a good amount of training to generate a reason for muscle to stick around, but then yeah. you have less uh, calories equipped, maybe you have less PEDs. So then you're also generating fatigue just from that too. So you're going from a state from, from fatigue <laughs> to maybe even more fatigue, which is going to be a pr- much more sub suboptimal condition. I think uh, a quicker way to, uh, if you could drop off tissue very well. So. Yeah. And I think that's probably where a lot of the value is, right? Because we've all seen the preps that start and it's like, you make these large changes and it's like two, yeah. three weeks and it's like shit has happened. Right. And like to use a cup as an analogy, it's like you filled this cup all the way up to the brim with the off season. And then you didn't take the time to pour any out. And now you're trying to dump the contest prep water in here. It's like, (laughs) no shit, you're going to overflow. Right. Like, I think that's like conceptually kind of where that thought process comes from and uh, getting us back to this baseline, like holding point, if you want to call it that it has a lot of value just from like what actually happens from a response portion. Once we do go into that next phase. Yeah. I think it keeps your, um, really able to flip the switch on for prep right? yeah i know exactly what you're saying like i i, I drop food on guys and like nothing happens you up cardio and like it takes like two three weeks where everything to finally you see like wow okay composition's changing like you should have that phase kind of planned in where you get at the best health that you can be and then enter into a, a prep from there um and and even then too like if you're coming from a ped phase with high p with well, from a push phase with high ped usage um, and you go straight to a fat loss phase. Are you just going to keep your gear high the whole time? Like, <laughs> and then it's like, well, I guess you just don't really care about your health. Cause you're just kind of like, well, now you're <laughs> in a guiding phase on prep. Like, yeah. so it's now like what, 40 weeks out of the year, you're going to be just on high PDs. Like it's, it's unsustainable. Like yeah. what are you going to do in 10 years? Like you, you might not be here. It's, it's, um, sure. unreasonable to execute it that way. And, and another thing, a point to it. And I know like we have some like diehard people, it's a, it's a psychological break. And mm, I, so I didn't need that much. Cause I just, I love that. And you're probably the same. Like, yeah, I love it so much that I, I don't want to break from it. Um, a break gives me anxiety, anxiety. Um, yeah. but I, I think for a lot of people um, that should probably be in place and it kind of happens anyway too. And, and, and life happens, right? There's, there's times in life where we have vacations, we get sick, there's family planning, there's higher job demands where you might not be in an optimal period to grow or even diet. So what do you do during those times? Like, why not? That's a great time to bring food down, um, bring training down, hold, and then push up when you have like a really solid, moment in time to be able to do so yeah and i think 
commonly what happens is like you get people like you and me who don't want it right and then there's this like anxiety building up for like the start of prep and they're like planning everything in order to get it ready but I think there's also some value in that because there's like excitement heading into the prep right it's not like everybody knows what that end of all season phase feels like it's it's like you're disgusted you feel like you're busting out of your pants like a busted biscuit can and it's just like not a not a great feeling right and so we get into this and we kind of refresh that like desire to prep and, and and get people moving in the right direction i think another thing too is like for the people that are listening to this are going to like have the questions around the health like what are the things we want to pull heading into this that and just like a brief overview of like setting some of these variables up for prep because like for me like i've come across people where you know we pull some of those labs heading into prep and we already see like they may have had previous suppression or something like that it's like hey like we're, we're probably gonna have to modulate this term prep and just kind of like a, a good heads up for people going into that phase. You're, are you referring to just like the PED manipulations? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, maintaining tissue is far easier than trying to accrue new tissue. So just right there alone, like the PED load is, is much, much less. Um, and you have to be considerate too. like the first couple of weeks in this phase, all the gear you're taking, usually those esters are still going to be floating around for a few <laughs> yeah. weeks. So don't yeah. think like it's one week you're on a thousand milligrams, then the next week you're on 200. It's it's this taper down. So the first three to five weeks, you're still very much super physiological and you'll get a lot of health restoration just through like with the food decreases and managing fatigue. Um, but with that being said, um, we even for training, we know tissue can be held on very little volume, like really like a third of the volume. Um, and so the same goes for like PEDs, the amount you need to hold tissue is, is less. And so during this phase, why not make it the most health restorative possible and move down to a dosage that would be your own baseline. And that's going to vary depending on where you're, where you're at and what you escalated up to your level of development. Um, I, I would make sure that if health restoration needs to take place, that this is a level that that does occur. And for most people, that's going to be anywhere from TRT, which 150 milligrams of testosterone a week only, um, to someone that's maybe very, very advanced, way beyond their, um, you know, natural ability to hold that tissue. Uh, They might, they might live on 400 to 500 milligrams of total anabolics. That might be some combination of testosterone and and prima bolin. Not saying to do that if you, if you're not at that level yet, but I'm saying, that person doing that has the realization of the risk that they're taking and that still might not be a sustainable approach long-term. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And, and some guys might not be fully restoring health markers at that. And so that's the inter individual variations that you have to account for with your client when you're managing them is if, you have the guy that wants to be, you know, hold at this level and say, Hey, your health markers are not going to restore this. Um, you should very much consider spending some duration of time at a lower dosage mark to do so. Um, but I do think for the most part, you know, 300, 400 milligrams, if correctly done, you could get good health markers and, and health with, within that. 100%. Um, as far as like the other drugs in place, like growth hormone, I'll usually bring down as well. 
two to three IUs as like a baseline. Um, insulin, okay. I'll, I, I, depends on what we're doing, but usually I'll keep in uh, for the first few weeks and yeah. then, then pull back as food's getting pulled back. So need is just down. And um, then all the other compounds are still usually in place as far as like the metformin, an ARB mm -hmm. um, there. So I think that brings us to how long this phase should be. I mean, it's contextually dependent upon someone's competitive schedule, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like whatever caused the reason for you to go into the holding phase did you check off that box at the end of it? So were, was it health markers that made you have to go into this? Well, did you restore health markers? So how long did that take you? Um, this could be, for what it could be, it could be there's a three-week holding phase, or it could be up to six to 10 weeks. Just depends on what, what's the issue. Like, was it connective tissue? Did you just falling apart? Like, that might take you know, several weeks. Um, yeah. Do you mentally feel fresh? Um, you know, uh, it, it, did you, did, are you finally at a life point where you have, you know, sleep's managed, stress is managed to where you can now enter into a phase where it's going to require a lot more of those recovery resources, like for prep or for further off season. And, you know, did you get to a point where you can now kick off back into push? Like you have some body fat runway to go with or, you're at a phase of a prep where maybe you could diet for a show within 16 to 20 weeks from there. Yep. 100%. I think also too, just like on the analysis part across this phase, you're going to see some body composition change across this holding phase, hopefully in the positive direction because of where a lot of these variables are going. Just remember like when you're building out timelines for prep that you're probably going to need some wiggle room on the transition from this phase into prep. So like when I, like, cause like I, I do this, I'm pretty sure you do it. Cause you kind of show, showed me this way of doing it. It's like mapping out the average weight loss that you would see from the person of relative to their body weight and mapping that on a calendar. And then what I do is I build in wiggle room weeks because like, depending on how long that holding phase is, is typically in my opinion, how well you see them respond on the transition to prep. So when we look on like duration of time, I've had some that have been as short as five to six weeks. I've got some guys who are 11, 12, because it's just restoring that, whatever that initial issue was, kind of like you pointed out. Um, but having some like tangible goalposts is probably something that is, is, is valuable for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, for instance, like my, I, I like to map this whole thing out for the entire year. You know, like I picked my show for, for the fall. So I basically had a, a year to work with. I'm like, okay, I can have, you know, 24 week push phase. I'll probably need some type of eight week phase between two to three weeks of like fudge room, just of what needs to happen. And then from there, maybe it's a 20 week prep. And so you have to give yourself some weeks, but then you kind of have some structure laid out. Yeah. yeah, but but that's off me knowing how I manage myself and, and and previously worked. But if you never worked with the client before, that that schedule timeline might might change a bit. Yeah, um, but I think sure. when, once we have previous data, it's it it's helpful because you know how that person responds, like health marker wise, like how long they can go in training before they like 
really start transitioning down, how long they need for prep to really happen. Is it shorter? Is it longer? And so that can help, you know, dial in how long the, the phase should be. Um, one thing I don't think we mentioned was like any uh, cardio or activity transitions mm. moving from push to holding phase or from fat loss phase to like a holding phase. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully like, and this is probably my opinion is if we're in the, the depths of a push phase, we're seeing this individual do cardiovascular activity that's getting heart rate elevation. Possibly you have one hit session in there because we've seen that data on the improved cardiovascular metrics with the low or low volume exposure of the hit training or the interval training in there. And as we transition into that holding phase, um, we may see the ability to, as like some of those metrics come back, transition some of that activity into steps, which for me, I'm thinking like what's coming next is prep. And I want to be able to have a runway on the cardiovascular activity side, as far as like the actual cardio sessions relative to the step count um, and use like that neat as a, a tool that I can use to modulate what's happening in this um, bridge phase, if you want to call it, or holding phase. And then in the prep, we can have that tool a little bit more in our bag, obviously going to be relative to where someone is at the end of a push, but that's kind of like where my head starts to go. Yeah, I have a similar setup. Like I'll, I like to have some baseline cardio done. For a lot of people, it's it's is just steps. If I can keep that maintained, and then moving into so if that's already the baseline, moving into a holding phase, honestly, I won't change that. It's just really the food that comes down, you know, and that's enough. If I had it already established. Um, because I, it, because part of the holding phase is like, what seems to, when you go into a prep to get the guys moving is having some of those, you know, f, f, kind of be metabolically flexible and having like those, once they're able to actually get a good response out of the cardio. So you need some of those adaptations present so they can switch between those fuel sources. So you need some of that cardio present. And, and so if it wasn't, if we're only been doing step count, then I would bring in some cardio to make that transition um, easier uh, and then moving into a prep, then I have the tools like usually it's what the further full food pull down before I mess too much with activity um, as it's just a more accurate way of, of bringing down calories versus activity. Um, and usually I still have a lot of food to work with, um, but I want them to be adapted to cardio to some extent rather than trying to implement it far into a prep when it's really hard to, to, to deploy in that, that way. Um, yeah. Then the opposite is kind of the flow. If you're coming out of even a mini cut or fat loss phase and some cardio was present, I rather keep step count up. And I think that helps keep guys moving with a, with digestion, but also on a high food intake, but bringing any extra cardio that was implemented down to their, their baseline kind of health level. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, we can, we can also think about this as like a spectrum, right? Like no cardio present, let's start bringing them into the middle where we're getting some of those cardiovascular adaptations. You know, if we're having to use hit sessions to manage metrics at the end of an off season, we can probably bring it down to mostly steady state and then kind of let some of the other variables work in our favor to manage those other metrics. 
do you have a few guys that you just don't have do any cardio because they just have such a high food demand? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. I mean, uh, your Mitches, like the people who are just metabolic freaks, like you can't get away with actually being progressive with it where, you know, it, the yeah, cardiovascular activity is more detrimental than it is productive, right? For managing some of the metrics. Yeah, I have a few guys that just have, for they just have a lot more physical jobs or just a high activity level. Like, no way, I'm not going to have them do any direct cardio because then the food is unsustainable. Like you get to a point where you just can't shovel in enough to um, outpace what they're doing expenditure wise. Yeah, so sure. it might just be, hey, just just your steps or or even guys that just have like insane metabolisms or very adaptive. It's still like just we'll have a steps, try to keep it below a certain amount actually. And, uh, and, and no direct cardio. That's actually food for thought. I'm glad you brought up the adaptive portion because that holding phase might look a little bit different for someone who's got a little bit of adaptive metabolism. Cause I am a little bit less willing to pull down food as much as I would for the average person in a holding phase. Cause I know when prep comes, like I need every bit that I can take because of how quick they're adapting to these changes. Right. So I think that would probably be one little asterisk caveat is like, what is the minimum I can do within this holding phase to get these person's metrics or whatever the reason that stopped the push back down? Um, Because I know how adaptive they are. And if that's going to lead into a prep, it's going to be pretty uh, tough to get them all the way if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not the idea of the holding phase is how little food can I get them to eat to maintain their body weight? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's like, we're still trying what, what is the, what do we need to do to, like you said, restore those, what, the markers of their health markers and uphold training performance the, the most that's possible 100%. Um, with looking in the future of what's to come too, uh, that you'll have, might have a long prep ahead. Yeah. And I think probably like, just a, a caveat note on the training is like it, it needs to be approached with the same detailed and authority that you're approaching your sessions in a contest prep or an on off-season phase, right? Like you see some of those guys psychologically click off when it's this time, it's like, ah, gears out, not time to right. And so I think honestly, in my opinion, this is probably the most important phase to be clicked on, right? Because it's like every little piece counts as far as like maintaining this tissue we've built. And I think that that's like a big detriment of people. And maybe the reason why some people don't make as much progress is because they do click off when they're in these phases. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that's when you see guys that really fade off big time when they never had the training really in place and kind of gear was, was driving a lot of that. And it, yeah, a lot, motivation dwindles and it's like, why'd you really get into this? Like passion, purpose. It's like a lot of times it's like, we just love training. And so that's never changing. It's just, there's an influx of food and gear, then it's pulled back, but there's always this, this baseline that's present of, of us, you know, grinding in the gym of how we do. So I think that's more, not that the phase cements the gains, but how you deploy it is what's going to make you hold the gains, you know? Yes. Uh, And the the other variables just have to be manipulated for the restoration reasons why we laid out. Um, So this, this is the time that you really have to buckle down and implement everything like you probably should be, but even more so 
when motivations like could be dwindling. Mm. Um, you have to let your discipline kick in and just and execute. Any other considerations for gain taining? Gain taining. This has got to be the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I like <laughs> the name. Um, I think that hits a lot of the points. Uh, I, I've seen some people bring up the idea of like, should there maybe this would be a time to run like a strength based phase? Oh. Uh, um, I I don't think so. Um, yeah, I've seen the that. idea of like, hey you know, you're going to do a low volume phase and why don't have it be more like strength-based? Um, but I, I think then you might get into the, for one, it could be injurious, uh, mm-hmm. moving from a very high fatigue state and then trying to jump into heavy loads. Then I think training specificity wise, it gets a little far from what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. especially the more advanced you get, uh, the, the more specific that we should get in our training. Um, and then moving into a prep, I think it makes that transition a little bit more messy. So I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't think there should be phases of, of like a more of a strength based than to kind of slingshot into hypertrophy work from there. So, yeah, no, 100% agree points to empty the cup some, right. Not just tack on some more. Yeah. yeah. You just beat the shit out of connective tissue. Then you're going to enter in a prep. So, um, have you seen those, those yeah i have i i lose interest when i see it i i read the first few and it's like it's like i just i think of the opposing uh opposing adaptation continuum which is like basically the spectrum of adaptation that we can have physiologically and then why would we take someone from the hypertrophy into the spectrum cross it into the strength it's like well i don't i don't really see why we would move away from the specific goal the only place that might have value is cross competing. And that's like none of our population. I mean, I I guess the idea is like, well, if you can now move more weight and take that back to a higher rep range, that might drive more hypertrophy. But um, we, I mean, at least for strength gains, they're highly neural and getting more efficient with movement patterns and it's very load specific. So if you train with heavy loads, you'll get good at lifting heavy loads. However, um, that doesn't mean you're increasing per fiber tension. Um, it could okay. be better tension dispersion, better mechanics lifting, better neural recruitment with those those movements. So yes, you could be moving more weight, but that doesn't mean that you're able to expose more tension at the fiber level. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that, that yeah, so I, I don't I don't see it having the carryover that it might have. Um, Agreed. Yeah. 100%. If you want to, if you want to be a bodybuilder and, and be your focus on hypertrophy, keep your focus on hypertrophy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, I think too, it's just like the whole point of a holding phase is to make the next step into the next phase productive. Like we want to see that initial change be productive out of the gate. So why would we do things that are going to oppose that? And that's kind of where, I think a lot of my logic goes into like, what can I do for this person? Like, if you're asking the question, what does my holding phase look like? What can I do for this person or for myself to make this next phase really productive? And if you can answer those questions, that's probably the most productive, your, your, how you have your holding phase be productive for your process. I have other things like come to mind about adjustments. Cause that just might questions you might get of, um, 
then you because you're talking about pulling food down yeah um, where to pull food down from or what to pull food down from most most times carbohydrate load yeah okay Qu quick answer <laughs> yeah 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 that's usually what we're driving up primarily yeah usually what's going to be in causing more of the issues with food volume and then also blood glucose and insulin so it makes yeah. sense to just pull down on carbohydrate leave Lee whole protein and fats alone yeah 100 because you're answering the question like what's the metric that calls me to stop it in the first place and if a lot of times that answer is going to be those metrics and so that's the solution right off the bat i like it i feel like that covers a lot of it yeah i do too i think uh contextually dependent to your phase like be be aware of that and like how you kind of transition the holding phase and just take the data from what caused you to stop the push in the first place, solve that issue, and then get back to it. Yeah. I think, um, and then one last thing, like, cause male for female, like you know, for mm, females yeah. consider your holding phase might also be like a menstrual cycle restoration phase too. It might be longer. Um, if you had someone that was using, well, coming off a fat loss phase for one, or um, if they've been using PDs, a lot of these phases for females are, are very um, important for keeping menstrual function around. So that's uh, another kind of aspect to it. Um, but yeah. yeah, 100%. I think that wraps it up. All right. Well, guys, if y'all have any questions on the gain chain, uh, if you're listening or on, on, watching on YouTube, please leave your questions, comments below. Luke and I can try to answer those for you, but appreciate the listen and we will talk to you next time.